All right, we'll begin. Hello, hello. Good to see you, Gwen. <laughs> like you locked up in your basement. <laughs> Pull me up so you can do the pod. So funny. Well, we're trying to do this later than normal, and it's now it's close to my bedtime. It's past your bedtime. It's past my bedtime. Yeah. Yeah, which is... I don't know what to say about that actually now because my mind's blank. <laughs> I don't know. I'm old. Well, big plays on the market today, right? Yeah. I mean, do we want to talk about markets today? I No, I'm just kidding. I know yeah, that's, that's exactly what, what this pod is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Originally, it was designed to not talk about markets. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you remember that? Well, I was like, I, I don't know how much I actually want to talk about markets on this podcast. Yeah, you just want to talk about bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I get. I I guess I'll talk about markets. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier. Talk about bullshit. <laughs> <sighs> I know a lot more, or at least I think I like to know a lot more I than think you know a lot about a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot about a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Actually, I showed you a picture of, of it after the markets closed. What happened today? And I got asked an interesting question in the chat today, which was like, because earlier in the week I said, you know, there's probably a pullback coming. How do we identify it? And then last night I wrote, it's probably tomorrow or it's probably tomorrow into GDP. You should move back to cash. Yeah. And really, it's more about gaming than it is about. Um, no, it's sort of like you have to sort of like have an intuitive context to it. Like you, you build up for it. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the easy things that I did to to like that you can always sort so like if the market's rallying. Um, you can tell how strong the rally is normally by futures in the morning in pre-market. Mm-hmm. And you need to check specifically the time between 4.30 to 6 a.m. Eastern time because that's normally when institutions are active. Mm. So you want to look at their buying patterns during, during that uh, first tape. So, but this week, what I noticed was we started off, I don't remember, Sunday night was was positive. It was green positive, right? Let's mm-hmm. just say it was point, it was point three. Yeah. And then uh, Tuesday, it, it was about like minus point one eight. And then by the time... 9.30 rolls around, you know, we're like 0.1 or plus 0.1. Mm-hmm. And then today, we were like minus 0.28. And then by open, we were still around like minus 0.18. Mm-hmm. And then we went green. But futures slowly got weaker as the week went on. And that was a – that's always a good indication – 
of general sentiment if if like a rally is starting to to wane so you can kind of you can kind of figure it out that way another thing is is that so like i shouldn't be giving out all these market maker (laughs) secrets so they like to juice options right before a pullback so typically like if you're options are down or or up i guess mm-hmm. and they they make some big jumps um they try to juice it to get reaction like it, if if the stock's down but your your options going up there's some the iv's climbing because the market makers like mm's they do this to like bait in people. Mm-hmm. They want they want bag holders because they're about to get a significant discount where they can buy it back a lot lower. Yeah. And you can typically sort of start to figure it out by watching option flow as well because all of a sudden it will be a green day but the option flow will be red and it gets tricky like a lot there's certain things you can do for it because like Obviously, I knew that coming in today, there was most likely going to be a pullback, right? So you have a couple options, like, and it it sort of depends on like your your size and like you know what what your availability of cash is and all that stuff. So like, obviously, if you're a small account and you just have like minimally available cash, typically, like you just want to go back to 100% cash, yeah, and just protect your account, yeah. Um. But, you know, if you're, if you're sizable enough and you've been building for years or decades positions and that kind of thing, right, mm-hmm. um, you just want to pull out marginally a certain amount of cash, set it aside, and just have it sort of ready for pullbacks. And what you do is, like, you just gauge it. There's a couple different time frames that you can use on a pullback. Um the daily is always like the, the best one to look at daily or four hour to look at just to see if like where you're you are at positionally mm-hmm. from the last week. Yeah. Or for uh, not just like the last week, but, you know, on, on the rally. So mm-hmm. and you can follow like, I don't know, people always like debate, you know, MA5, MA, MA8 or MA9. Um, but if it typically pulls back to about that range of like the MAs of those like shorter MAs um, and it stops right about right there on the daily around those MAs um, normally that's just a a needed pullback hmm. and what you'll see from there is then a trend higher and this is kind of hard because there's a lot of there's a lot of variables I'm trying to explain different pieces that I that I I'm I'm pointing out that I saw and like once you start like I'm giving you each puzzle piece and like once you put all those puzzle pieces together at the same time you understand what's happening and then you can have high confidence to act mm-hmm. right so like first off you notice the futures yeah right that was that was the first hint mm-hmm. then it you know you look at market mechanics of yeah the euro to us dollar and you see that the euro to us dollar is still holding at 
at the same price mm-hmm. within the risk on range. Yeah. And so then it, and it, it's not moving while the stock market's dropping, which means that uh, it's most likely just a pullback in equity, which means then it's really actually a buying opportunity. Mm-hmm. As well as then you can gauge sort of like, so this is going to be always hard to gauge because the VIX can be wherever. But, you know, in this scenario, really, I, I was looking for 14 VIX to to really be like, okay, so people are doing some serious hedging Yeah, for me. Um, we never went to 14. I think the highest we went to was like 13.88. So, um and then it went 13.83, and then it went down to 13.5, and then, you know, it just kept falling back. So it was pretty obvious after the first drop that the volatility was done, that they were just, they were looking for a pullback. And then knowing that, like, what the economic events were is always a good thing to know, right? Just like, what are your catalysts upcoming in the week so that you understand how MMs are going to play around the, uh, the setup for it? Mm-hmm. So, if you know the next day is GDP growth, and yeah, there is a high forecast. Like I think it's like five point. I don't know if it's five point two or five point eight percent. I can't remember. Um. But, anyways, they're they're expecting a high number percentage for for GDP growth. And at the time earlier in the week, I was like, well, the rally's running long. And if I was a market maker and not just some small fund or, you know, small trader, but if it wasn't me running my small fund, I had the ability to, you know, move billions of dollars. What I would do is I would use the catalyst of GDP as as a pullback for it mm-hmm. or to switch it up because part of the problem too was that QQQ is now at all-time highs. SPY was appro- is approaching its all-time high at 480. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, the Fed w- gave dovish comments last week, but yeah. the markets have run pretty far. Yeah. Based on it, a lot of a lot of people had their targets around for 2024 around 480. Like so end it, end of year targets. Is it kind of their way of like quality control? Kind of. Yeah, it's a way to keep reining the markets back in. Like, obviously, yeah. you bene- market makers benefit more by markets going up mm-hmm. to a certain degree, and then you start getting into overheating and inflation, and and then like money starts becoming worthless because you you went too fast, too hot. Yeah. But there's actually still this is going to sound insanely bullish, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but markets actually do have a lot more room to go higher and the reason for this is actually because the markets have underperformed for the last two or three decades so trajectory wise this is just my own personal opinion on this by the way not not some um like official you know research consensus is that in my in my personal opinion, the markets have underperformed for the last two or three decades. That markets should, in theory, be a lot higher based on the general stability of the United States, the GDP, all 
all all general factors. When you take into consideration what the U.S. puts out, it makes a lot more sense for like SPY to have a higher earnings multiple. So, or to be trading at a higher earnings multiple for fair value. So, you know, like. So are people keeping like more money in their pockets then? Like how do. How do I explain why does the market underperform for the last three decades? I, you know, (laughs) part of it has to do with the fact that there was no internet or I mean, no internet in the way that we can use it today. Yeah. Another big part of it is that digital currency really wasn't a thing for two out of those three decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another piece of it, because like digital currency is dramatically increased liquidity yeah in economies um another really big thing was uh there was general economic calamities that kept happening Mm -hmm. which is just the normal business cycles okay and i mean like you know like what i'm talking about is like 2008 or like the 2000 bubble yeah So obviously those are are generalized like setbacks. And I think to the Fed, we we also thought about debt very differently. And it didn't really change, like the majority consensus on debt didn't really change that you could just use it in the way that we're sort of using it now. Mm -hmm. And instead of being super vague, I'll just say, go read about modern monetary theory if you haven't already heard me talk about it. MMT for short. But we haven't used debt in the way that we're using it now. And it's actually, it probably is okay for the moment until premium interest becomes too high and you can't keep up with it. Mm -hmm. And the United States is starting to run into that problem. But at least for the moment, like they can, they can definitely alter the course if they do insert some austerity. Anyways, it's not for us to decide what policies they put out, but the reason why the market hasn't been higher, like for me, I, you know, I, I felt that in 2020, 2021 markets could have definitely been trading in the 400s shoot did no covid happened in 2020 in in 2019 i thought that that the markets were ridiculously undervalued mm. and then and then it, and then the fed came along in september 2019 which i always somehow fucking mention in every goddamn podcast <laughs> <laughs> it it must haunt me <laughs> for some reason that that figuring out that them inserting uh, reverse repo in September of 2019. It it really must have done a fucking number on my brain because I I, I think about that thing a lot. Yeah, you do. I remember I I was having a very <laughs> bullish year, very upside oriented, very very going long, and then pulling everything and huddling down because I I was certain something was going to happen, but. And then it did happen. 
anyway, so back in 2019, I thought that we should have been trading in the 400s. By now, that means that we should be trading somewhere in, in the 500s. Mm-hmm. And this is just me thumbing it. I I really think that like it makes a lot of sense for us to be trading in the 500s. I actually think that 480 is still an undervaluation for the markets. Um, I think it's a it's around a 25x, yeah. which, which is a little bit on the extreme side <laughs> of things, but it's not David Hunter uh, extreme where he's calling for, you know, SBX 6,000, which is funny because in my brain, I got somehow confused where I thought this is what you can tell. I pay so much attention to other people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was calling for 4,600 and um, this is, this is a little bit embarrassing. I, I tweeted about it. I said, I said, oh man, David Hunter's going to get his wish when we were at like 430 mm-hmm. or 434 on the year. Go thinking that David Hunter's call out was uh 460. And I thought that's ridiculous. Well, the short squeeze will propel us to that. The short squeeze is going to get us to about 448, and we'll stop there. And now we're at, I don't know, yesterday we were at 475, and now we close the day at 468. So, um, it happened. It did happen. I mean, and, you know, I'm not, a, I really am not against it. The the financial and, and economic outlook significantly changed, and it's allowed for a lot of liquidity to enter back into markets. And you know, the only thing, like my my biggest thing that I'm always just trying to figure out is how much cash is available, right? Because liquidity price drives price action higher. Mm-hmm. High liquidity drives price action higher, and that's all I care about. All I'm trying to do is is a determination every single time. You know, is the is this pro cash or does it take cash out of the markets? And um, I'm not thinking about you know does this valuation make sense. I'm just thinking about does the liquidity make sense? Because it, really, that's that's what's driving the auction. Mm-hmm. And it's not about your opinion. It's about what's the facts. Yeah, I I think that people think. People get too caught up on the fundamentals, and fundamentals are very important when you're investing. Um, the problem is, is that markets weren't aren't as pure as as people think they are. They're very well. First off, they're inherently long driven because of the way that their auctions are set up, and. Um, they have become increasingly pro trader mm-hmm. and they've become increasingly pro individual trader and it's allowed for a lot more swings in in price action and higher volatility and honestly more wealth is generated through through this way like there's more wealth being generated now in a larger crowd of people than there probably ever has in any time in history. Yeah. And to say that's a bad thing, I, I just can't say that. Yeah. You know? 
it's not getting worse the situation in terms of like people having access to generate like to generate generational wealth it's like everyone gets a piece of the cake yeah everyone has the opportunity to get a piece of the cake i mean even with things like robin hood or weeble or you know uh toss whatever whatever people are using right that because robin hood came along I don't know when Robin Hood came along. I want to say 2017 or 2016, maybe earlier than that. Yeah. But, you know, putting it on, on your phone, that gave ordinary people so much more access to, to investing. Yeah. Right. You didn't need a terminal. You, you could just do it. Um, and it was, it was, what it was whatever, right. You didn't have to have be in front of a computer all day. You didn't have to have your fucking pager on. and have the pager beep you um yeah everyone's got much more like way more access to it which is a good thing and i i so anyways i i think that markets heading higher is still we're still undervalued yeah um i really i really don't think we'll be undervalued until you know, five ten just based on the current liquidity outlook. Because, and if the liquidity situation changes, I'll change where where the target should be on on spy. But for now, it's just look enough liquidity is in the system, we should be at about five ten. And it's definitely possible. By end of year targets four eighty. You know, I I think that's a reasonable factor. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, and I think you know, five ten is possible by mid year. Maybe it it just depends specifically on on what the Fed does and uh, how they accommodate liquidity. One of the one of the wild things is going to be this election year. Election year, they, I mean, <laughs> people always think that Republicans are very pro like uh, economic easing. It's actually the Democrats. The Democrats are very pro pro economic easing, mm-hmm. pro liquidity. They're normally very pro liquidity, pro spending. They they love the pump markets. Yeah. Um. Which is funny because you you wouldn't necessarily think that because more like one of the platforms is like you know we need to tax the wealthy or you know supposedly they need to tax the wealthy mm-hmm. but markets I think typically do better under democratic presidents so or uh, not democratic presidents democrat presidents mm-hmm. so yeah I, I you know. This year, as long as Democrats think that they're going to win the election, they're going to pump the markets. Yeah. Or as long as it, as long as it's relatively close, they're going to pump the markets pretty full. As well as I believe Yellen had yeah, Treasury Treasury Secretary Yellen has to uh, reissue about eight trillion dollars in debt, so they need to get rates to pretty much as as low as as possible. Because the U.S. government needs to be refinanced for, for a lot of stuff, and they cannot like. 
it if they had a refinance at above four percent it it would almost be structurally impossible for them they they like just simply cannot do it they can't afford it we would have to go into extreme austerity measures there'd be like a ton of a ton of like shutdowns mm. for it and it it would be terrible for the economy and obviously it would be terrible for for markets because the markets really do rely on a lot of government spending the the number one liquidity factor is government spending yeah so that, that all comes to a stop <laughs> yeah i mean that's why you got to watch like okay how much how much increase did the uh, defense bill get this year right like that money trickles back into markets very quickly and you know that's that's why like watching that stuff is is very important because it it does influence how markets trade. So even even the elections are going to be very important this year mm-hmm. in in following them, and then also following uh, democratic politicians' trades. And one site that that looks really good and and they have very clean setup, and I believe they're free is QuiverQuant. Uh, that's the one that uh, people should look into quiver quant and you can track exactly how democrats are trading what you want to do is really track um the minority uh the minority uh speaker of the house i forget what his name is hold on you know what i'll i'll post it later and then and then uh you want to follow um damn i can't Senate speaker, I I can't remember his name. He's been he's been there for forever. Not the opposite of uh, McConnell. I think he's out of New York. Can't remember him, but you got to follow his trades very carefully too, uh, because they're very closely tapped into the to the Democratic political machine. They know what Biden's thought is, and they know if they think they're going to win the election and win Congress. And if they don't think they are, they're going to take the economy down with them so that whoever it is, I think it's going to be Trump for the Republican nominee. So it, they're going to make sure that whoever the Republican nominee is, is going to inherit a terrible economy mm-hmm. if, if they're going to win, right? Yeah. So they will tank the markets and take everyone with them if they don't get their way. Which, you know, I mean, is what it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at least at the start of the year, the start, of, the first half of the year is going to be very bullish because Yellen does have to do the refinancing and, and that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be a nonpartisan issue. Yeah. People, they, I think both sides agree with the fact that we need to refinance our debt at the lowest rate possible. And um, as well as, so the Fed has, the Fed has significant motivation to bring rates back down and that's going to juice liquidity for, for the time being, as well as, um, you know, people have been getting really upset about bank loans or the Fed's bank loans. 
and that it ends in March. And like, what are you going to do about it ending in March? And, you know, it's funny because that's what they were saying about QRA. And, and before QRA, that's what they were saying about, um, shoot, what were they? Uh, the treasury account, the TGA, you know, the TGA emptying and, and stimmying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. It's always, it's always one thing after the other. Like, I think this administration's made it perfectly clear that they're just going to keep working it out of the next account, mm -hmm. you know, and they'll shuffle the money around and uh, they're going to do whatever they need to do to make, make the economy work. Yep. And this is what sort of blows my mind is, is, you know, people are like, like, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. The economy just needs to blow up, you know? Like, do you know what the fuck you're actually asking for? Like, how the f could you ever ask for something like that? Yeah. You don't understand how how good you've got it, you know? Mm -hmm. Everyone should be rooting that, that, like, we keep figuring out ways to avert catastrophe. And then, like, we reform the debt. Versus wishing on a downfall. Yeah. Yeah. You don't ever want the economy to blow up. I don't, I don't care who you are. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You don't want to wish that upon other people. Yeah. It's bad karma. Really bad karma. And, I mean, like, yeah, sometimes, like, the economy does fail and it does bring down markets because of poor liquidity. But, and you just look at it from a pragmatic data perspective, but each time, like, you should hope that, you know, like, the government averts shutdown or that we are able to reform our debt situation in a way that we're not spending so, so irresponsibly, but in a way that, you know, like we unwind it slowly. We don't want to just go cold Turkey and, and cut the economy off and, you know, cause hundreds of thousands of people to lose their jobs. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense to go, go that route. No, not again. <laughs> we've done it we've done it before and we don't need to do it we don't yeah. need to do it so brutalistically i i think the fed has learned that how much you need to keep a steady pump and flow into the markets of liquidity and it is about easing it you know to the right degrees and getting it just right right like you don't want to just cut it off and, and cause a hard break and you don't want to like just over you know, create too much liquidity within within yeah. the economy that it overheats. Yeah. But it is about finding that middle ground and, and I think it does take a very active Fed and it does take a very active like Congress to find that right situation. Mm -hmm. And the benefit is is that markets will continue to go up because the GDP will grow and and money will get allocated more efficiently to uh to like the proper areas, you know? Yeah. So I don't have an issue with like gaming. Like I, I think one of the things we're seeing out of the rally is expanding market breadth, and people have been complaining most of the year, like ah, they're just they're holding up mega tech, just those those few, and uh, they're manipulating markets to to keep it that high. Well, yeah, they have to, right? I mean, if what are they? What are they going to do? They're just going to release it and go wide. Go wide. You can't do that. 
Yeah. You know, you lose everything by it's such an all or nothing mentality when, you know, they're playing the game strategically, working the numbers to keep it weighted. And then they're going to go and, and pump money into, into new companies, trying new innovations that will potentially be good boons for like the economy or for people's health or, mm-hmm. or different things, you know, yeah. or something stupid. I don't know, but people are going to buy it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, but like that's the that's why capitalism works is there's it's not the state allocating uh, money. Money just goes where where it's most efficient. And that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't agree with me, uh, you're (laughs) (laughs) un-American. Yeah. Sounds pretty communist to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So you think that by the end of the year it'll be 480? I think it's possible. 40 is possible. Um, I forget who posted in the chat today. Somebody, somebody showed... An STO 477P SPY 1021 is tomorrow the 21st. Or sorry, 1221. Mm-hmm. I think tomorrow's the 21st. Yeah. So basically, what that means is someone wrote, I want to say close to a million dollars in selling puts mm. that were $10 outside. $10. In higher. the money, in the yeah. money, yeah, higher, yeah, ten dollars higher. So what they're saying is that they think the market's going to go ten dollars higher tomorrow because if it's still in the money, they have to pay out those put puts, mm-hmm. and uh, market makers don't like doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, it's a bold claim. It could mean that GDP is going to knock it out of the fucking park tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, that this pullback was the entrance for a lot of liquidity to come in because there's been a lot of cash on the sidelines waiting. Yeah. A lot of people just got their Christmas bonuses. A lot of people, um, I don't know why I, I, I instantly went to a retail example, but retail doesn't even fucking matter yeah. in this scenario. What really matters is that a lot of banks have gotten excess liquidity in their funds. They have a lot of additional cash right now, and a lot of them need to make up on short time to like in short time their their uh, PNLs, and they're going to use a lot of leverage to get there, and they're going to squeeze the markets. I you know I mean four point or four sixty eight to four seventy seven. That's about a 2% move. Markets can have a 2% day tomorrow. That easy. Yeah. You know, that's not hard. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't shock me because GDP, GDP, GDP is, is one of the strongest drivers for, for markets because GDP growth is a great, or GDP to stock, or to GDP to the index is, is a great way to to measure 
um, you know, is the mar are the markets overvalued or not? So high growth will indicate that the markets are not overvalued and that they're not getting ahead of themselves. So mm -hmm. like you, if you have a strong GDP growth tomorrow, it's going to be hard to pull back on a, mm -hmm. on a rally. You're going to get a very strong day. You could, you could pretend, I, I always talk about this, that if you start going beyond 2.2% in on the index, um, that's where the rubber band kicks in. You're going to get pulled back. Yeah. 2.2% per, 2 .2 is, is typically about the full full stretch that you can go yeah. in a day. Um, but it wouldn't escape me to have a 3% day. Mm -hmm. it, is po it definitely is possible if, if GDP really does show up tomorrow. In the holidays. In the holidays, yeah. But uh, it seems like MMs are, are thinking about a 2% day tomorrow. Which would be wild. Yeah. Not wild because we, we've seen that a bunch of times. But great. It's great. Mm -hmm. It'd be it'd be good because, you know, I mean you get in, you position in early in the morning and, and you just work it from there. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about being in cash is you're fresh and, and you can make the decision whichever way the market wants to go. Yep. So we'll see what happens with that. So close to the end of the year. And uh, should I tell them that I'm off next week? <laughs> I think they knew that was coming. Yeah. I mean, three weeks of just hammering it, hammering the markets just yeah. absolutely every which way. Spend time with family. Trying to, I think I've, I think I've lived up to what I promised them. Yeah. I think so. Fresh start in the new year. And then we'll we'll hit it again in January. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. If we have time, a pod <laughs> would be nice. A what would be? A final pod of the year. A final like, pod of the year? Yeah, it would be nice. Like on, Jan on December 31st? Yeah. I was about to say January 31st. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, are we gonna smoke cigars? Yeah. Yeah. What? The, yeah, are you crazy? What do you mean? It's the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good time. Yeah. I don't you know, want any just, fireworks. It's gonna be too loud. Yeah, we just have to, you know, just talk about all the things that happened this year, and all the things that we're gonna be stepping into, manifesting all the. Positive changes. Yeah. Yeah. My life's already pretty great, though. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to manifest. It's already perfect, so. I'll manifest this year again. I mean, that that was a hell of a, a year to trade. Yeah. You know, to go long last November and, and just kick it and then and then flip it in August and then, and then uh, yeah. I think November was probably my toughest month, but you know, come back and just blaze it again. Yeah. Not not bad. Yeah. Not you had to be all. humbled, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get one month wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're also like on your deathbed, so I was. I, I really wasn't even thinking straight. I mean I, I was yeah. trying, I was showing up. I 
was showing up every day and I just was I was I was doing terrible. Delulu. Yeah. It was it wasn't good. Yeah. But we're good. Take time for yourself next week. Yep. Until I force you to do another pod. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking about this earlier while you're talking. I didn't want to interrupt you. But everything that you were saying tonight it sounded like whiz whizzes. Wizzes wacky rules. Hmm. Wiz whizzes. <laughs> I don't know. I forgot, so I have to say it when you're talking. But then you get moody. What? Earlier, when you were saying about like the different tricks. Uh huh. Whiz wacky whizzes. Wacky tricks, whizzes wacky ways, <laughs> ways, whizzes wacky ways, or wisdom. I don't know. It was something wisdom funny. With now a I messed it up, so I'll put it in the chat when I figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Wisdom with a Z. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. That's some whiz biz. <laughs> All right, I think. Good. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. Um, you know, well, before I I say goodnight fully, I'll just say, um, you know, we we like doing this pod. We like you know all the support you guys give us, and uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate, uh, you know, all the all the kind comments and all and the all all, all the nice. connections yeah. and all the subscriptions and all that stuff that we that we get you know you guys make it happen make it happen and, and uh keep us going so we appreciate it and we hope that you have a great end of year and and a very merry christmas or very happy hanukkah or whatever you choose to celebrate you know it's, enjoy the time with your family yeah and and that you're able to spend time with you know people that love you whether it is your family or, or people that you choose you know mm-hmm. i think that um one of the great things about end of year is that it reminds us of, you know, what we've done this year, but also to like, you know, the great people that were around us when we were doing it, because mm-hmm. that's what really makes it special is, is the community that we have and, um, who you choose to surround yourself with, who you choose to surround yourself with. And I think that we should try to remember that as we go into the new year. Yep. Is that, you know, our life can find a lot of purpose by choosing to take on responsibility in our, our community and, and choosing, you know, the right people to be around to help not only bring out the best self, your best self, but, you know, the best self of the people around you. So, um, to challenge yourself too. And challenge yourself too. Yeah. So to grow. Yeah. Cheers to uh, a lovely 2024. I'm, I'm excited to do it with the tribe. Mm-hmm. It's been a great 2023. And, um, you know, you should have saved that speech when we were smoking cigars. <laughs> we're doing another one. I don't know if we are, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'll just say cheer, cheers to the tribe. You know, th- this has been a fantastic year and it's been a lovely year to, to do a sub stack and, and give out education and, and watch so many different people grow and, and come along. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hope it's been really enjoyable for everybody because it, it really is enjoyable for me to get to do this. I don't, I really don't do it because I'm trying to make money. I, I just do it because I, I want to see other people grow and, and, see you know humanity at, at its full potential and i think that you know that's something for me it's something special and it, it gives my life a lot of purpose yeah so um thank you guys thank you so much for the support of substack and, and helping it be so successful this year and uh yeah we appreciate it we appreciate it and we love you guys very much and yeah. you know i hope that you know that you are you find some happiness and some comfort at at this time at the end of the year and and know that like your life is special and and know that like your life has purpose so with that (laughs) so heartfelt (laughs) with that uh you know this is the wiz merlin uncensored we hope you guys have a great night and a great end of year we'll talk to you soon Bye. bye